how many of you have ever owned a misbehaving pet? How many of you have ever owned a misbehaving pet? Okay. Um, I don't feel so far uh, by myself now. Um, maybe it's a misbehaving dog. Maybe it's a misbehaving cat. You know, they uh, ate your slippers or ate your shoes. Or maybe they did something on the carpet that wasn't a number one or number two, but a combination of both, uh, just to give you a gift. Uh, maybe it was something with your furniture. Uh, you know, we've all had uh, something like that. Uh, our family had a misbehaving hamster. And uh, we bought this cute little cuddly hamster, and we thought, oh, this is going to be so great for our girls. And the girls got it, and that hamster literally was a headache for the entire time we had it. Um, it bit both of our girls on their fingers. Uh, both of them could never hold this hamster, and that was the whole point, to hold it. Uh, the, they, this thing also ate through three cages. <clears throat> we had to buy three cages to try to keep it you know, confined. And one of the times that it ate its way out of the cage, it went into the dryer vent, and it went up into the attic, and it ate um, some uh, drywall that was up there. And uh, it was just, you know, horrible, just horrendous. In fact, on one of its escapes, it got to my wife's favorite coat, and this is what she did to it. And this hamster, I mean, it just gave us fits constantly. And it was fiercely independent. It had a will of saying, I'm going to do what I want when I want. But she's in a better place now. (laughs) And I really, really miss her. Kind of like I'll feel bad when if New England loses today, you know, that kind of, it'll just hurt me, you know. (laughs) Now, uh, maybe uh, some of you don't have a misbehaving pet, but maybe you had a strong-willed child. How many of you have a strong-willed child? Raise your hand. Okay. Hopefully they're not sitting beside you right now, right? Um, But you have a strong-willed child. Uh, My mom loves to tell the story of uh, some friends of ours who they had two children, and the first two children were very easygoing, no problem, and just for grins, you know, they decided, hey, things have been so well, we're going to go for number three. So they went and they had number three. And that kid came out of the delivery room going like this. I am going to create holy havoc on your life for the next 20 years. And he did. I mean, he was uncontrollable. His will was so strong. She tells the story one time they were sitting around a table and uh, my aunt was right beside him and he was sit and she was sitting in his chair and he said, get out of my chair. And the mom actually said, would you please get out of the chair? So you can think about how strong of a will that little guy had. His parents used to often say, if he would have been the first child, he would have been the last child. You know what I mean? So some of you might know what that looks like. Again, a strong will and a misbehaved uh, behavior all the time. So in stark contrast to that, folks, when it comes to your money and when it comes to my money and when it just comes to money in general, this is the truth about money. One reality is money has no will. That's your first fill-in in your program. If you want to fill it in, you can. Money has no will. 
If I take some money and I give it to the things of God and to the church and I say, stay there, it stays. If I uh, take money into uh, my piggy bank and I take my little money and I put it in my piggy bank, the money will stay there. If I take my credit card and I go and I swipe it to get a big screen TV for the Super Bowl, where does the money stay? In the store. That's right. It stays in the store. Folks, money has no will. And it has no desire to misbehave. It has no ability to make up its own mind and to take off and to go somewhere else. In other words, folks, money doesn't have legs. Money doesn't get up and just like walk around and go, I'm going to go over here. It just doesn't do that. It doesn't have legs. And most of you right now are thinking, seriously, I got up today to hear the obvious? Seriously? Well, the reason I say that is because we're in the middle of a series called Fresh Start, and I have a feeling that today, if I took this music stand and I put a red button on it, and I said, any of you could come up here, and if you wanted to, all you have to do is push that red button, and every time that you misbehaved with money, that money would go away from wherever it went, and it would go right into your bank account. Every time you made an impulse buy and you said, I've just got to have this. Every time that you had one of those, uh, you know, schemes that you put money into or you had a high risk investment. If I had a red button right here and I said, you know what would happen if you came up here, if you just push this red button, all the money that ever misbehaved in your life, if you push that, all your debt will be canceled and all of that money will go right into your savings account. If that took place, I have a feeling we'd have a long, long line. People would be like, I don't care about going to lunch today, man. I'll have money to go to lunch. And it would go out the Y. And people would drive by and they'd be like, what's going on at the jar? Dude, we got the red button, you know? And you do that. You know, one of the hardest things that I've had in the 11 years of being the pastor here at the jar is that I've seen so many Christ followers who come to Jesus and their life gets changed and sin goes away uh, and they start getting better and shame and guilt and all of that gets corrected and things get much, much better. But when it comes to their finances, they're still tied down by financial bondage and they are in a still door of debt. And people walk through life and they experience all the goodness of God and they're Christ followers, but they feel enslaved, they feel anxious, they feel worried, they feel ashamed because they know how dysfunctional their relationship is with money. Over Christmas, there was a family that Jennifer and I reached out to. They came to the church in the very, very early days of the life of the church, and we heard they were struggling with some things, and so we tried to reach out to them because they had drifted away, and the main reason that they drifted away is because they got in so much debt that they got ashamed, and they stopped coming around. And they 
filed bankruptcy once and they were just spending and spending and getting in more and more debt. And so I sent a text and I got a text returned and I said, is there any way we can help? And they said, oh, you wouldn't believe what's going on. Our fridge just went out. We just got our phone shut off and we got them turned back on again. We just had a wreck with our one car. It doesn't drive anymore. And in a, a year, we're going to have our house foreclosed. And so I said, well, how can I help? And they said, well, actually, one of the tires on our car is flat. We can't get it fixed. And Jennifer and I went ahead and did that. Folks, this couple makes six figures. This is not about how much money you have. It's about how much you spend. And it's about whether or not your money controls you or you control your money. Do you allow it to misbehave or do you have it under control? Folks, when I got this text back and forth, it was as if... She was trying to tell me that it was just like that misbehaved animal, pet, or it was like that strong-willed child. It was almost like she was telling me that I don't know where everything went. And she actually said, I don't know why we have so many bills. I don't know why we have so much debt. It's like, you know... The money just got legs on it and it walked away. Folks, listen to me. There are two realities to money. First of all, money has no will. Secondly, money never misbehaves. Money never misbehaves. Money never goes rogue. Money does whatever it is told to do. You know, unfortunately, though, what happens is that sometimes people have to hit rock bottom financially before they ever come to themselves and go that it's not the money that's misbehaving. The money never misbehaves. It's the manager of the money that misbehaves. It's the manager of the money that needs a fresh start. Now, I have some good news and bad news today. Let's get the bad news out of the way first, okay? I don't have a red button. (laughs) I wish I did. I honestly wish, as your pastor, I wish I could take all of the misbehaved money that you have lost and has gone somewhere else, and I could make like a magic wand, and it would all go right back into your savings account. But I can't do that. I can't make your misbehaving money come back. But the good news is, is that today, with God's help and with God's wisdom, you can learn how your money is supposed to behave. And you can look towards a financial future that is going to be different than what your financial past has been. So for the rest of our time, I want to talk about God's plan for your money and how your money can behave. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine came up and said, hey, I don't know if you know this, but Las Vegas has actually become kid-friendly. And I was like, serious? He's like, yeah. And I was like, man, I've never really been there before. And 
that would be awesome. And so got the family, got my parents, you know, two kids. We all get on a plane. We fly out to Vegas. Let me just say something about my friend. He lied. (laughs) He lied. We get there, and there's nothing, almost nothing. There's a few things, but almost nothing is kid-friendly. And so all we did were day trips every single day, going to different national parks, because there's a lot of them there. So we'd spend a couple hours in a car, go to a national park, hang out, and then come back. And that was Vegas for us, baby. You know, what happens in Vegas what? Yeah, it wasn't good. Two kids in a car driving all around. You think that's a way to spend your Vegas vacation? I don't think so. But on one particular night, we found the most kid-friendly thing to do, and we went to go see this group, the Blue Man Group. And it was in the Luxor uh, Hotel and Casino, and the theater was in the back of... The casino, so here comes Pastor Boy with his five-year-old and seven-year-old. Hey, kids, look what's going on here, you know? Smoke's everywhere. And, you know, they're like, Dad, what is this place? And, you know, I'm trying to, like, hey, your grandpa used to come here a lot, you know? This. <laughs> no, I'm joking. He really didn't, but it's good anyways. And uh, so we're walking by, and this is what I noticed. Once we got through all the slot machine area, I noticed that we invaded a place that used a lot of green felt. There were all of these tables that had green felt, and there were people at those tables. And you know what? None of the money on those tables were misbehaving, but there were a lot of people around those tables that were, like, misbehaving with that. And so... That whole concept of a green table I thought we would use today as we go through the process of what it looks like. So here's our table that we're going to look at this morning. And every time that you talk about money, the very first thing we need to talk about is right at the center of the table. And it's a word called earnings. Earnings. So if you want, you can write that in right there, just the word earnings. Now, I was going to use real money, but I thought that if I did, some of you might storm the stage, so I just got play money here, okay? But this is the thing with earnings. You cannot have a discussion about money without discussing earnings. And James 1, 17 says this, every good and perfect gift is from who? Who is it? God. Everything... That's good and perfect comes from God. Every time that you receive some earnings, it is simply a gift from God. The breath that you have right now, the talents that you have in your life, they are all gifts from God. And what happened to most of you is that someone recognized your talents and they said, we have a value for that and we're going to give you some earnings for that. But don't think that the talent was out of your own giftedness. Everything, life and your talents, are all gifts from God. They come from God. Folks, anytime earnings come your way, and there are multiple earnings in this gym today, and whether you have meager earnings, or you have moderate earnings, or you have massive earnings, 
Every time earnings come, I've learned to do this in my life. When earnings come, I immediately stop what I'm doing. And I'm like, God, thank you so much for this gift of earnings. Whether it's small or whether it's large, I'm thankful because it all comes from him. So once you get into the practice of thanking God for all the earnings that you have, regardless of what they are, the rest of our kind of process with money management is simply about making your money behave God's way. Now, the first commandment that every serious Christ follower is supposed to obey is that when money is entrusted to us, we are to take some of the earnings... And we are to give them to the things of God. And so at the top of your uh, screen there, if you just write the word God, and the Bible comes across and and tells us that 10% or a tithe is what God calls us to give. And you realize that when you do this, that if you take one of these and you give it to the things of God, it stays there. It actually doesn't get feet and walk away and go somewhere else. But if you give it there, it stays there. And Scripture says 10% is where we should be. Now, my wife Jennifer and I, uh, we were not able to do that when we first started uh, this whole concept of giving to God. We were so far in debt that we started with 5%. When we were 22 years of age and we made a commitment that 1% we would increase it until we got to a tithe. So I don't care where you start, but don't just say, well, I can't do 10%, so I'm not going to do anything. Give something. Allow God to bless your life because that's what scripture says he'll do. Proverbs 9 or Proverbs 3 verses 9 and 10. It says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. In other words, just right off the top, at the very beginning, you do that with with your income. And he says he'll reward you. He says your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, some of you are like, man, I'm going to get some wine out of this thing. No, 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 no. It's just in that day, it was a very important commodity. Malachi 3 says the same thing. Bring the full tithe, the 10%, to God. God will open up the windows of heaven and will actually pour blessings on your life. And there are many other passages of scriptures that deal with the same thing. So every single time the pay period comes in your life and in my life, we can demonstrate God's faithfulness to us of earnings by giving to him the first part of our earning. And say, you're going to behave. I'm going to give that and it's going to behave. So the first check that you write. Probably none of you hardly write checks anymore, do you? I'm old school, so I still like to write mine to the church. So I write it down. But maybe that first electronic transaction, we have an app now that you can use to do that. But whatever it is that you want to use to do that, you make it to God first. And that demonstrates where do you place him in your life. Where do you place God in your life? Folks, each time that you give financially to God, it is a very private moment. It's a moment that is just between you and God. And when you give financially, 
There's no marching band that starts going, he gave, she gave, hallelujah, they gave. There's no marching band that's going to come up in that moment and tell you, whoa, you gave. And if you give financially today, the whole church isn't going to stand up and go, whoa, hallelujah. It just doesn't happen that way. So other people don't know. But this is the truth, folks. God knows. God knows if it's the first transaction or it's the last transaction of your life. He knows if you're just tipping him. And he knows if you bring the full tithe to him. Folks, he knows all this. He knows your heart. Now, people will tell me all the time, let's bring up that... uh, 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 diagram again, our green table. People will tell me all the time, you know what? I can't do that thing on the top. I just can't do it. They'll tell me that I've tried, but I just can't. I cannot put money there. I cannot give a tithe there. But technically you can. You can take one of these and you can put it there and guess what it will stay it will not get feet and walk somewhere else it will actually stay it won't go to another category it'll stay there and folks this could be the year that you could take all of this and say you know what i'm finally going to have authority over the earnings that god gave me and i'm going to make them behave God's way. And the promise of Scripture is that if you will do that, the Scripture says, test me in this. It's the only place in Scripture where God says, test me. He says, you test me with your finances and don't see if I do not pour blessings into your life. There's a woman right there that is making me top first in her life. I'm going to bless her. There's a man walking there. He puts me first. I'm going to put favor in his life. There's a household that's honoring me that way. I'm going to bless that. And by the way, folks, doing this automatically, especially with the way technology is, is so, so very important. It's the best way to do it. I was talking to someone recently and they said, you know, I did that automatic thing and I got to the end of the year and they sent me this statement of like what I had given. And they're like, I just like celebrated to God. Like, Thank you, God, so much. You gave so much earnings. And I was able to give something back to you to honor you. Okay, so once we get our earnings and we give it up to God, we got to go make him first with our finances. Then we go to the uh, right side of our felt table there, and we have to deal with something called an emergency fund. Uh, Both Scripture and wise people... uh, will tell you that you need an emergency fund. So you can write that in, emergency fund. Proverbs 6 says this, Watch the ants. Learn from their ways. They, ha- they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Quick question here. How regularly does winter come around in Indiana? Yeah. Every year, every year it comes, right? Temperatures drop, snow comes, you know, you freeze to death. You're go- it comes every year. Now, a similar question I want to ask you. 
How often do you have surprises or emergencies in your family? Fairly regularly? Do they come every year? Fairly? Regularly? Yeah. I mean, sometimes things just go wrong. Eight years ago, uh, we moved into our home, and I was so excited that we found this home, really felt, prayed about it, felt like this was where God was going to use it for many different reasons, people in our home and, and caring for things. And it was built in 1980, and the people before us, they actually built the house. And so we were like so pumped. We're like, man, they took so much uh, you know, care of this. And we found out that he was a professional plumber. So when we bought the house, I was like, you know, we might have some issues, but we're not going to have like any plumbing issues at all. You know where this is going? Yeah. Year one in the crawl space, all of a sudden I heard something going, water all in the crawl space. Year one, we had to go get it fixed. Year after that, my girls were up in the, uh, in our upstairs bathroom and they're playing in the water and they got a little bit of the water out of there and all of a sudden water starts dripping down the ceiling. I put the fear of God into them. (laughs) Had to get a plumber. Had to come. Had to do some things. Figure it all out. A couple years after that, we have this water heater. Guy told me when we bought the house, oh man, it's new. You'll never have a problem with it. The whole water heater goes south. Okay. Just a couple of weeks ago, I looked at my water bill. Have you ever had this experience before? You look at your water bill and you're like, holy cow, I didn't know water was that expensive. It had tripled the amount of what our monthly bill was. So I knew something was wrong. So I called a, a guy in our church who's a plumber. I'm like, hey, you know, this is uh, going on. He's like, got a problem. You know, I love that guy, but sometimes he's not real helpful. You know, when he comes out, he's like, got a problem. So he came over and he looked and one of the spigots on the outside, there had been some kind of break in the midst of that. And so he had to cap it off. He's like, well, we can't do anything right now. We're going to have to wait till spring. And so that happens. Now, this is the thing that I'm asking. I don't know what kind of plumber that guy was, but I called the better business bureau. <laughs> I'm joking. I really did. But he's in Florida now. He's messing somebody else's pipes up down there. So who cares? You know, now, here's, here's the point, is does this kind of thing happen to you? Am I the only person that these kind of things ever happen to? I mean, stuff breaks, doesn't it? Stuff wears out, stuff just happens sometimes. And the Bible says that if we would match the brain power of the average ant which I realize might be a stretch, you know, for some of us. But if, but if we just match the brain power of the average ant and we set aside regularly for the winter surprises or emergencies, then we wouldn't be caught off guard. And when the crisis hits, we would actually be able to take care of whatever the emergency is. Now, one of the key components to what we're going to talk about here in just a little bit about Financial Peace University is that Dave Ramsey strongly encourages that what people should do is create an emergency fund before anything else. You give to God and then create an emergency fund. And he says, go crazy. He's like, do whatever you have to do 
to get the emergency fund. If you have to stop spending in different areas, if you have to skip a meal or two, if you have to work some overtime, do whatever you can in 30 days to get $1,000 is what he says, $1,000 in an emergency fund. It's not a slush fund. It's not a, ah, keep it there until spring break fund. No, no, no. It stays there. Like you take it and you go, stay. You don't touch it. And once you hit that goal and you get some progress in the midst of that, you feel really good. And momentum comes. And you're like, man, I could do that. I couldn't believe I could do that, but I could do that. Now, on a practical note, folks, I don't know what you need in your emergency fund. Maybe you need less than that. You're like, hey, you know what? I don't. My, my income is meager, and so maybe it's a couple hundred dollars. Maybe for others of you, you have a lot more and you need a couple thousand dollars. I don't know what that is. This is all I'm saying. When Jen and I were in our late 20s and we started doing this, we have never regretted it. We've never regretted once in our life. Oh, man, I wish I didn't have that emergency fund. I wish we could go on vacation somewhere. Because this is the thing, folks. When the water heater breaks, when the roof leaks, all of a sudden, if you have that there, even though it's hard to let that go, the thing is, you're, you have a tremendous amount of pressure. It's like a, uh, just like, okay. And you don't have to go out with your charge card and charge everything that's on it, and you just get further and further in debt because of it. So we have earnings once we give the first part to God, and then we create an emergency fund. There's something that many of us struggle with, And uh, it's this word called debt. So you can write it in there. We didn't have a box for it because for some people it's so big it's outside the box. But it's debt, which is a very similar category. And what you've got to be able to do is say, I hate debt. I hate debt. You know, in my early 20s, Jennifer and I, I shared with you earlier, we got in credit card debt. Really, really bad. We couldn't make the minimum monthly payments for this. And by the late 20s, though, we got a financial advisor that came in and helped us. We um, went ahead and uh, took some budgeting classes. We learned how to budget our money. And by our late 20s, we were out of any credit card debt. But I was so convicted because I would see other friends of mine just struggling. I remember a guy uh, bought a brand new Harley when it had the 25-year anniversary Was it 25 years? Was that recently? It was some anniversary. Anyways, he spent $25,000 for it. I do remember that. And he went into debt. And I I just remember teaching to people going, you know what? Debt is bad stuff. Debt is bad stuff. Don't get in it. Then in my 30s, when we started the church, I just saw several people in the jar. They loved God. They were growing closer to God. But debt destroyed them. And I said, debt is horrible. It costs you way too much on the back end. Just don't get in it. Avoid it at all costs. Then in my 40s, I finally come to this perspective. Hate debt like you hate the New England Patriots. (laughs) I mean, you just despise it. You hate it. Hate it so much that you want to take it in a dark alley and beat the snot out of it. Hate debt that way. Hate it so much. Proverbs 22.7 says this. 
The borrower is the, what's the next word? What's the word? You're a slave to the lender. And all of you know that. Folks, when you start hating debt like that, how do you attack it? You attack it by taking your smallest debt, whatever it is, and you say, I'm going to pay that thing off, and you attack it. And what's so cool is that once you attack it, then all of a sudden you take whatever that bill is, and you can just like rip it up. You're like, yeah, I hate debt. I want it out of my life. Take that irritating little debt and you do that. Then you go to your next one. You're like, hey, I'm going to get rid of this one too. And you're like, yeah, I don't ever want to get there again. Never again. Then you get to a bigger debt and you work on it and you finally get it done. You're like, I'm never going to charge something again like that. Yeah. And you just keep going on and on. And what happens is you start building momentum and you're like, I hate debt. I don't want to end my life. And you get rid of it. And all of a sudden, you're no longer a slave to the lender. And pretty soon, the day comes in which you're able to give the full tithe, the 10% to God. You're able to have a healthy emergency fund. And the debt gets wiped out. And then you're able to go from there. Maybe you have a reasonable mortgage. But every other debt, you have it taken care of. And folks, when you do that, it's huge progress. You celebrate that. There's confidence that comes to you when you get to that point. Well, after you do that, then what do you do? Well, you come to the very bottom, and what you can do at that point is that you can have some savings in investing. You put some savings in investing. Don't invest in that kid or whatever that is, you know what I mean? But savings Investing is down at the bottom. Now, my mom and dad looked at money very differently when I was growing up. My dad, pretty much, let's not have too much and let's give it all away. My mom was a tight-fisted woman when it came to money. I mean, she still is. She has these little stashes and the grandkids know where they are and they'll come up and they'll be like, Hey, Mamaw, can we do this? They're like, sure, here you go. All of a sudden, I go up and I say, hey, mom, could I have a, what are you talking about? You know? But at the age of five, she took me to the first national bank in Marion, Indiana. And they gave me this cool little blue book. And it had my name on it. And it said, Chris Bunch. And it was mine. It was a savings passport book. It was my book, my pass book, my pass book. And I was able to start saving within that little book. And I'm so grateful that my mom gave me the discipline that it's better to be a saver than a spender. And that you can do that and you can really change your life when you save like that. And now I'm teaching it to our girls. We have three little canisters and we have three $1 bills that they get each week. One goes for spending, one goes for saving, and one goes to God. And they're so excited, and they have it. And each week, then, they give that away. Because I want them to learn how to save and not just to spend. Now, anyone here want to take a guess what the percentage of Americans, percentage-wise, of Americans that have no savings whatsoever? 
Anybody want to take a guess? 75? 80%? We're not that bad. We're bad, but we're not that bad. 30%. 30% of Americans have no savings, no emergency fund whatsoever. So if you look down your aisles, every third person, folks, has nothing. Nothing at all. Some of you are trying to figure out who that third person is, aren't you? I know you. But this is the truth, folks. When the crisis comes and it hits, guess what happens? You're underwater. And you just get in more debt and more debt and more debt, and it grows more and more and more. Okay, last thing. Living expenses. The last thing you can write in there, living expenses. Wise money managers and Scripture would say that you take care of everything else on the table first and then you determine what you can actually live on. Because if you start with your living expenses saying, this is how I want to live, oh no. I mean, if you say, this is the kind of house I want to live in. This is the kind of car that I want to drive and the year of car that I want to drive. I'd like to have these kind of clothes. I'd like to have uh, these kind of vacations I can go on. I want to eat at these particular restaurants. Folks, just hear me out. If you start with your ideal lifestyle first, I don't have the gift of prophecy, but I do have it on this thing. I can prophetically tell you that what's going to happen is if you start with your living expenses first, you're going to have little or no investing or savings whatsoever. You're going to get into a lot of debt. You're going to have almost no emergency fund whatsoever. And you will see that at the top of the table, when it comes to the things of God, you'll not give anything to Him. And it runs clockwise, folks. You can't do it counterclockwise, starting with living expenses. It has to be clockwise, from God down, not living expenses, and then I give what's left over. Because like I said, God knows the difference with whether or not you're just tipping him or you're actually making him first in your life. But if you can do this, things can change. And you'll live at a level, once you do everything else first and you get to your living expenses, you'll live at the right level that you're supposed to live at. And you'll have contentment in your life. And God will pour out blessings into your life. Shane Brooks, uh, for nine years, the first nine years that he and his wife were married, they lived counterclockwise. In other words, they decided, hey, this is the kind of lifestyle we want, and this is how we're going to do it. And they just lived that way. But over time, he decided that's not the best way to live, and so he turned it around. And so now he teaches our financial uh, peace class, and uh, he's going to come up and share just a little bit about his story. So, Shane, uh, let's give him a hand as he comes up.
So Shane, if you would, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your story of getting to financial freedom and how you kind of uh, made your money behave God's way. So about four years ago, um, I sat here just like many of you are probably right now, uh, wondering how I was going to pay off uh, my debt from Christmas, my credit cards, um, sometimes medical bills, sometimes even my mortgage. And uh, a friend of ours, of my wife and I, gave us a book called The Total Money Makeover from Dave Ramsey. And uh, I kind of reluctantly picked it up and read it and realized after a short period of time I just simply couldn't put it down. I had so many aha moments of, you know, <laughs> we finally for the first time realized, you know, we were how to tell our money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Um, in five weeks after reading that book, we saved our first $1,000 in cash for our baby emergency fund. That was our money. And we paid off $500 in debt. Since then, we've had our emergencies along the way. Um, but we've been able, God willing, uh, to pay off, you know, those emergencies. And uh, since then, as of January 20th, 2016, this past Wednesday, we're debt-free. We've paid off $35,000 in debt. <laughs> During that time, we've cash-flowed about $10,000 worth of um, home repairs. Um, so, yeah. So $35,000, it took some time. How many years did it take? About four years. So about four years, but $35,000 got out of debt. So it doesn't happen overnight. you got to be disciplined to do it. And uh, it's an amazing story that Shane has. And this is the thing, folks. You're, some of you might be sitting there, and you're struggling right now. It could be your story. Four years from now, you could be sitting here, and you could say, you know what? I took that class, and things really changed. It gave me a tool. So can you talk a little bit about the tool, Shane, that uh, you used uh, to kind of help you through that? Yeah, so the class is called Financial Peace University. Um, I actually attended that first class through, through the jar that we put on. And um, I taught the class last year, so this will be my second year teaching it. Um, it's going to start February 29th. You guys have the um, insert in your, in your papers. Um, it starts February 29th, which is a Monday evening, from, and we'll meet from 6 to 7.30 p.m. It's a nine-week course, and we'll meet every Monday. And it's the best way I know how to push that red reset button that Chris just showed. Yeah. And uh, can you talk a little bit about the cost and where it's going to meet at? I know we've got it up there, but maybe you can share just a little bit. Yeah, the, the kit is $93, um, and it's, you'll get the entire kit, which comes with the book, The Total Money Makeover. Um, you'll have the envelope system and everything that, that I had and all of the tools that I had to get to where I am today. Okay. And uh, so $93 for some of you might sound like a big amount of money, but if you get rid of a few coffees, <laughs> Starbucks, heck, that's probably one coffee, right? You know, <laughs> 93 bucks. Okay, good. Latte, I'm good for the rest of the day, you know. Um, or you could do this. And you could do that. And if they have any questions or they want to say, hey, you know what, I'm in. I want to sign up today. How, how would they go about doing that? So I'm going to have a table set up right back here um, after the, the service here. And, I, you know, I'll be happy to answer any questions that you guys have. I, I hope some of you will sign up. And um, my prayer is that next year one of you will be up here 
and and you'll be able to tell your story like I did. Very cool. Um, so if you want to sign up online, you can just go to thejar.org and you can sign up there or at the table. Hey, let's give Shane a hand for uh, sharing with us today. A couple weeks ago, I uh, was watching my two girls and my youngest daughter, uh, Shiloh, uh, she came up to me and she had her little red folder from school and she pulled out a paper and she said, Daddy, look at this. And it was a paper that said, super job. I was like, way to go, Shy, you know. And so my other daughter uh, decided that Shiloh shouldn't get all the attention. And so she ran to her little backpack and she pulled out her red folder and she brought something up and she's like, yeah, dad, but look what I got. And it was an A. I'm like, your sister's in kindergarten. She doesn't get A's, you know, get over it. And for that whole afternoon, they would keep showing me things that they drew or things that they built and said, look what I did, daddy. Look what I did, daddy. Look what I did. Now, here's the point, folks. Little kids love to show people what they're capable of doing, what their ability is capable of doing. Little kids love to show people that. They love to take an older person and show them something and then have that person go, way to go, build it again, draw it again, way to go. Folks, one day, every single one of us in this gym, we will stand before our daddy. In the New Testament, the word that's used for God that Jesus uses is the word Abba, which means daddy. And one day, you and I, we will stand before God, our daddy, and we will have an audit of how we used our finances. And my greatest nightmare, and it really is, is that some of you might stand before God on that day and you'll be like, oh, Daddy, don't look. Daddy, just don't look at this area of my life. I chose to to go with my living expenses first. I tried to compare myself and live up to everyone else around me. And then I had no savings or investments I wasn't able to give anything to my kids or my grandkids because I didn't have anything left at the end of my life. And the only gift that I did give them was all the debt that I had occurred, incurred during my life. And I had no emergency fund. And although I love you, Daddy, and I care about the things that you care about, I never really gave anything to show you that I cared. Let me just say this this morning, folks. Don't let that be your story. Just say, that's not going to be my story. You have a good, good father, a good, good daddy who loves you so much and he longs for you not to go down that road of financial destruction. And he longs for you to stand before him one day where you could say, Daddy, I did it your way. Daddy, look what I did. And your heavenly father will look and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
So the way we're going to close is I'm going to invite the greeters to come forward. And we have an opportunity today to actually give something back to our daddy, to say, God, starting today, I don't have all the answers, but today I want to give you first place. And I'm going to do that through a gift. And we can celebrate and thank him for all that he gives to us. So let's pray. God, you know this was not an easy teaching for me to teach this morning. But God, I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would penetrate in people's lives, that not just today, but in the days and weeks and months and years ahead, God, they would remember this diagram and they would begin to start living clockwise. And I pray right now, God, for the gifts that we receive, that they might impact our community. And that we could share with others what a good, good father you are. I pray this in Jesus' name. so thankful of who you are. You're a God that's with us through every step of our lives, God, our financial aspects, every part of our lives. And you're such a good, good Father. We're so thankful of that this morning. We just want to give praise back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We just want to remind you guys tonight we'll be having one.